Kelly, I thought you might go back there with them. <laughs> the Bible says be instant in season and out of season. I told that to Kelly one time. He thought I was talking about instant potatoes. <laughs> ah, bad joke. Okay. I always know it's not work. You liked it, but the guy over here is going, just pray for me. It was a bad joke. Bad joke. All right. Well, you can, you can have part of your offering back then if... Um, Seems to be just flowing today, amen. <laughs> so glad to see all of you. We had a great night last night. The Lord's been good to us, and uh, Pastor Blake has uh, started a series of messages on the Holy Spirit, and he spoke last, last week, pretty much an introduction, and it's really sometimes hard to get your mind around the idea of the Holy Spirit because from the Bible, there's not a lot of information about him, and the reason is he is the one that inspired the Bible and Jesus said he would not speak of himself, so he doesn't say a lot about himself. And I love the way that is, because when Jesus came, he said, I have not come that I would be glorified, but I'd bring glory to my Father. And he said, when I send the Comforter, the, the other one, the Holy Spirit, another person, same God, another person, when I send him, he will glorify me. And that's what he did. And so we look in the Bible and we see... Throughout the New Testament, much is, uh, more is said about the Holy Spirit than, in, than the Old Testament. But there are references to him in the Old Testament. Even from Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 says, In the beginning God created, and uh, the, the earth was out form and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. That's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the, the person that we're teaching about during this series. And I think it's important that you know something about the Holy Spirit. Because he is the one that empowers you to live the Christian life. If you don't have the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you and empowering you, then everything you do is in your own power. We call that the flesh nature, and it's going to fail. So it's very important that we learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, think about this. The Spirit of God dwells within you. So is there anything too hard for God? No. Is there anything too hard for your life? No. The problem is, is that many times the Holy Spirit might be leading us in a direction and we tend to want to go the wrong direction. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you to do things that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to tell you a story about that in a, mo in a moment. Because there was a situation in 2 Kings chapter 4 that I'm going to preach about where the situation was desperate <clears throat> And the solution came, and the solution made no sense at all until the family obeyed the Lord and saw what the Lord did. You see, sometimes people come to talk to me about their situations. We offer that here, by the way. If you want to talk with somebody about your life issues, we have those kind of things happening here. And soon, very soon, we're going to have a new recovery ministry started here at Life Church, it'll be on Sunday evenings. Amen. <clears throat> and we'd invite you to be a part. Now, I want you to understand: recovery doesn't mean just okay. I'm, I, you know, it's for people who have addictions. No, it's for people who have life problems. Anybody got life problems? And it's it's going to be designed a, a structured way to deal with that. But at the end of it all, everything that we write, everything that we say, everything that we do needs to be empowered by God's Spirit. Otherwise, it's it's pointless. And in this particular story, 
we're going to come to uh, a situation that was out of control, didn't make any sense. And they came to ask for help, and the man of God gave them help. That's what I was telling you. If you want help with your life situations, we do that. And we spend time doing that. But all of our wisdom is not, if it's of the flesh, if it's of our own wisdom, it's not going to help you. I want you to know that your situation is not beyond the help of God. But sometimes people come to me and they say, this is what my problem is. And I say, this is what the word of God says. And they look at that and they say, no, I think I'll do it my way. And I wonder how many years you want to do it your way. A great question I love to ask people is, how's it working? Because most of the time, in fact, if you're doing it any way other than God's way, it's not working. <clears throat> the problem is you may not be honest enough to admit it. One of the principles of 3D life recovery is going to be the principle of honesty. Do you realize that the fact that you lie to yourself and others is one of the reasons why your life is so destructive? Say amen right there. And you, what you need to learn to do is be honest with yourself and others and God. And you'll find out that when you get honest with God, God gets powerful with you. And it's God's spirit that does that. And so in 2 Kings chapter 4, I want to preach to you a message that we call more than enough. More than enough. All the scriptures led right into this. No one had any idea what text I was going to use or what topic I was going to talk about. But yet we've read scripture about God saying he is more than enough. We read about Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit came and anointed the church. And he was more than enough. And in this story today... In this desperate situation with this family, God's spirit is more than enough. Your situation will not be solved by secular means or worldly uh, wisdom. Your situation will be solved through God's spirit. And God will use his word to get that done. So let's read it together, okay? 2 Kings chapter 4, we'll have it on the board for you, verses 1 through 7. And we're talking about a, a prophet that came after Elijah. We spent about two months talking about Elijah. Loved it. Loved talking about Elijah. This is the guy that came after Elijah. His name is Elisha. And I'm going to do my best to call him by his name. The Bible says, Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets. Now, you, you got to understand that there were prophets uh, that followed Elisha to learn the ministry. It's always kind of been that way. So one of the students of Elisha died. It says here that this, this, her, his uh, wife, his widow, cried out to Elisha and said, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Elisha said to her, sounds like a counselor, doesn't it? What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house. And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few. Say that with me. Do not get a few. Sometimes I think when we look at God, we think God is so limited, but here Elisha says, don't just get a few, get a bunch. When it comes to doing God's will, I don't want to just get a few. I want to get a bunch. I want to find the vessels wherever they are. And he said, don't get just a few. And he said, and you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all these vessels and you shall set aside what is full. 
So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They were bringing vessels to her, and she poured. Isn't this interesting? She had one jar of oil, and they would bring the neighbor's vessel in, the, the neighbor's pitcher or the jar, and she would pour into that jar, and it would fill, and she'd set it aside. They'd bring another one. She'd pour it. Are you getting this? There's a miracle going on. As long as the vessel showed up, the pouring kept going. You say, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't to us. But to God, anything is possible. It said, when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not one vessel more. And the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Ladies and gentlemen, that's an answer that's more than enough. We'll start the story today by talking to you about the fact that this, this family was in the pits. You ever been in a pit? You ever been down? You ever been like where I'm down? It seems like everything I'm doing is making it worse. Somebody said if your life is digging yourself a pit, get rid of your shovel. Stop shoveling. And I remember from this, when I was thinking about this, I remember John Maxwell said this years ago, and he's a leadership expert and kind of humorous too. He, he told a funny story about a man that fell into a pit and couldn't get himself out. And he talked about what happened to this man because, as you know, when you get down, a lot of people have a lot of advice for you, and most of it's no good. You can say amen right there. You know, sometimes we think that we're helping somebody with platitudes and just spouting off some kind of verbiage when actually people need more than that. They need more than words. They need action. This man fell into the pit, John said, and he couldn't get out. And several, different, several people came by and spoke to this man. A subjective person came along and said, I feel for you down there. An objective person came along and said, it's logical that someone would fall into the pit. A Pharisee said, bad people fall into pits. The fundamentalist said, you deserve your pit. A realist said... Now that's a pit. The narcissist said, you hadn't seen anything till you've seen my pit. The Calvinist said, if you'd have been saved, you would have never fallen into that pit. The Arminian said, you were saved and you did still fall into the pit. The charismatic said, confess that you're not in the pit. The positive thinker said, you only think you're in a pit. The optimist said things could get worse. The pessimist said they're going to get worse. But Jesus, seeing the man in the pit, reached down and lifted him out of the pit. You see, people in the pit need more than words. They need action. And in this story, this family was in the pit and they couldn't get out. And they saw no way out. And it might be like you. And we don't need platitudes from social media to diagnose what's wrong with us if our life is a pit we've got problems with God and we need solving and in this story the answer to this family's problem was a miracle and so I want to share with you about the miracle and the message in the miracle and then the mandate for us today you see your problem might be just like this family's it might not be exactly the same it might not be that the creditors are coming to take your children away from you. But you've got problems. And if you have problems, I want you to know that you have a God that's big enough to solve those problems. Amen. But you're going to have to do things differently. 
We know you can't do things the same way over and over and expect a different result, right? So this woman got to the place where her life was a mess, and she did what she should have done. Here's her condition. Here's the miracle. Her husband was dead. Now, in this particular time, and particularly in this situation, this woman, yes, she doesn't have much money. You know why? Her husband was one of the prophets, and they just didn't make a lot of money. <laughs> and when the husband died, the woman had no way to make money, and so they had debt. And in those days, when you owed money, your children could be auctioned off as slaves to, until the debt was paid. That's terrible, isn't it? Somebody would say, I'm glad debt is not slavery today. I'd like, hmm, it's still slavery. They just don't take your kids. They might take your kids. It might take your health. It might take everything else you've got in your life. Dave Ramsey says there's nothing good in the Bible that's said about debt. So in this case, the creditors were coming. Her husband was dead. Her money was almost completely gone. The debt was extreme and her children was at risk. Her situation was hopeless. So what did she do? She turns to the only place she can turn. And that's to God. See, sometimes we turn to everything else but God. Can you prove that, Pastor? Let's go back to March. What did we find out that was happening in the country in March? What was about to happen? And where did people turn to for help? I submit to you, the people didn't turn to the church. The people walked away from the church because some pinhead in the government told them to stay away. Amen, preacher. Go ahead and preach a while. Oh, and how's it working? You remember all the things they told us? Oh, in two weeks, in two months, it'll be over. Mm -hmm. How's that working? We've got to realize that the days of America when people respected the church and looked to the church and the church's leaders for answers, those days seem to be gone. We're looking everywhere else for the answer. But the scripture has the answers. The Holy Spirit has the answers. And so what we... Ought to do is let's seek God. What does God say about all this? I want to tell you, over six months' time, my head almost turns completely around when I hear some of the stuff that's being said. I have no understanding why anyone can live in fear when our God can do anything. That makes sense to you. You might say, well, our situation is hopeless. Maybe so. So what do we do? What did this lady do? She called out to Elisha. Now, I don't know how that looked, but you, I, I get the picture of Jesus when he was here and, and uh, the crippled uh, man yelling out, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me. And the disciples did what good church people do and say, hush, don't bother the master. This woman was crying out to Elisha, I need help, I need help, I need help. She was going to the right place. I need help, I need help, I need help. So she comes to Elisha, and Elisha goes, what am I going to do for you? See, I identify with that. Because a lot of times people come to me, and I'm like, okay, what am I going to say about this? So the first thing he says, what am I going to do about you, with you? And then he goes, okay, tell me, what's in your house? That's a strange answer. She's like, they're coming to take my kids. So he says, well, what's in your house? You see, most of the time, people don't look at what God's already given them. 
We want God to do something else. You see, what's in the house, that's mine. And I kind of like it staying there. We can liken this as to the fact that you owe $10,000 and you had $100 in the savings account. And you come to the Lord and you say, what am I going to do? And the Lord says, what do you got in your house? And you say, oh, wait a minute. I've got $100 in the savings account, but that's all I've got. And God would say, well, what are you going to do with what you've got? Wait a minute. You don't understand me, God. I only have 100. I need 10,000. God says, what do you got? You know what most people do? And churches do this all the time. Churches do this all the time. I, I took a church a few, several years ago. And when I got there, they had like $30,000 sitting around somewhere. I said, what in the world are you doing with that kind of money? This was like in the 90s. I said, what do you do with that kind of money? They said, it's for a rainy day. So I said, it's raining. Amen. You know, but most of us say, you know, that's my hundred dollars back there. God, I need uh, nine thousand. I don't know the math, nine thousand something. But I need something else. And God's like, no, what have you got in your house? I want you to know something that when God comes to you, the first thing he's going to do is talk to you about what's already in your house. But can I tell, say something to you? If you're in a spiritual situation or a financial crisis right now, the idea of you not releasing what you already have. Is probably what's causing your problem in the first place. Say amen right there. You see, God never called us to, to be cauldrons of his grace. God called us to be those that pour it out. And see, the discipline of giving is so very important. I want to tell you, if you never learn how to give, you're never going to be free financially. Because what that means is your heart is materialistic. Well, I've got that $100 saved back. I've got that jar of oil. That woman said, I don't have anything but that jar of oil. So here's what he said. Here comes the word of the Lord. He said, go, borrow from the neighbors. Pour your oil into the vessels and sell what you get from that. Pay off the debt and live on the rest. Man, that's good. So what I've got to do is go to my neighbors. I've got to go over here. Greg Farrell, I hope he's got some uh, jars. Bring it in. I don't know who lives over here, but I'm going to go knock on the door. You see, if God told you to get all the vessels you can, that he was going to use those vessels, and you fill those vessels, and you're going to have something precious commodity inside those vessels, you would knock on somebody's door. Amen? If you believe God was going to do a miracle, you would do whatever he was going to say. You see, that's called faith. Sometimes God tells us what to do. Well, I don't like that plan. Let me go to plan B. Listen, there's only plan A. That's it. Every other plan is going to fall down. Say amen right there. So we got to learn how to do what God tells us to do. You might say it doesn't make any sense. I mean, how can God take this empty vessel and deal with me? I don't know. How did God make a donkey talk? But he did. I don't understand how Jesus got up from the grave, but he did. I don't understand how God created everything from nothing, but he did. And I don't know how God can take one vessel and pour into 50 vessels and pay somebody's debt, but he did. And so the idea is go and get it done. I love how it says go. You see, what's wrong with people today sometimes is they don't like the word go. They don't like that. What people want, they come to me, they come to the church. You know what they want? A lot of times they want somebody to solve their problems, but they don't want to do anything about it. You see, the thing is, if you don't learn some different habits, different skills, different way of life, you're going to keep repeating the same thing over and over. I can't stop you from that. I can't save you from that. I can't change your life, period. He can. Amen. So when he tells you what to do, guess what? You do it. 
Even if it doesn't make sense, most likely it won't make sense. God sometimes will push you right out of that comfort zone. Amen? So the solution here was more than enough. When this widow finished filling up jars, she had enough to pay the debt off and, and live off the rest. You know what that means? She started with one jar and she ended up with 50. That's called multiplication. See, I figured that out. Well, did Elisha do that? I mean, man, wouldn't we like Elisha to come by and do that for us? See, here's the problem with that thinking. Elisha didn't do the miracle. Who did? God did it, but which person of the Godhead did that? The Holy Spirit. Let me show you what this means. I want to talk just a moment about the miracle worker, and that's the Holy Spirit. Let me give you some insight as to who he is. First, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is a person. You never refer to the Holy Spirit as it. Have you got it? What? The Holy Ghost. It's not correct. It's not an it. He is a person. Not only is he a person, but he is God. He's just as much God as Jesus and the Father. Okay? Three persons, one God. That's called the Trinity. Sometimes people say, well, that's not true because the word Trinity is not in the Bible. It just refers to the fact that God refers to himself in three persons. And, and that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 says, in the beginning, God, Elohim. Elohim, the Hebrew word for God, is plural. The Spirit of God was on the face of the waters. Jesus says, or John says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh. That's Jesus. So there's the Father, there's the Son, two persons. Jesus said, when I go away, I'm going to send my other self. That's three persons. How can three be one? Nothing's impossible with God. All right, so he's the miracle worker, and the Holy Spirit is represented by symbols, and it's no coincidence that in this story we have the symbol of the oil. A few things that you see in the Old and New Testaments that are symbols of the Holy Spirit is a dove. You remember in uh, Acts chapter 2, or when Jesus was baptized, what happened? The Spirit fell upon him like a what? A dove. In Ephesians, the word seal is used, which means it's like the seal, the pledge, the promise of redemption. The Holy Spirit is spoken of as a seal. The wind, John chapter 3, wind is a symbol of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The wind came. Oh, Dave was very animated. We need Dave to preach again, don't you all think? Probably, don't you think? Probably should have said, here's my outline, Dave, go. I mean, I love it. I mean, I love to see these young guys get this enthusiasm. The mighty rushing what? Wind. And then fire, tongues of fire lighted upon them. In John chapter 2, this story of turning the water into wine is actually the idea that this new way of living now is being filled by God's Spirit. And in the Bible, oil is mentioned over 200 times in reference to the Holy Spirit. You see, in the Old Testament, prophets and priests and kings were anointed. Oil was poured over them. You know what it symbolized? It symbolized the coming of the Holy Spirit over these, over these men. Jesus himself was anointed, Luke 4, 18, Isaiah 61, 1, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Every time you read anointed, the picture from the Old Testament is pouring the oil. 
The church was anointed in Acts chapter 2. And ladies and gentlemen, 1 John 2, 27, we have the anointing. The Bible says, as for you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit abides in you. So the whole point of me bringing this up about the, the symbols is that oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And what's in our story? Oil. So guess who's performing this miracle? The Holy Spirit of God is performing this miracle. And this miracle has a message for us. And we can clarify it simply in four different words. Need, word, faith, and spirit. Need, word, faith, and spirit. Need. What's your need today? What do you need today? Too many people in America don't need God. We just need God to take our mess and make our mess work better for us. Sometimes people come to me and say, make this work for me. I'm like, you cannot. It can't work like this. And when you say something like this, all of a sudden, you say something like this to somebody, all of a sudden, that preacher's a hater. Amen. Many times I'm the darling of social media. Yeah, y'all know what that means. <laughs> Way back when there was something called topics, I was on there routinely. I made their top 10 list many times. People just like, they don't want to hear the truth. So, okay, if you like the lie, go ahead and live in the lie. I don't want to live in the lie. I'm tired of the chaos. I'm tired of everything and looking everywhere else for what's wrong with it. What's wrong with you today? You see, this woman was desperate. Do you think it's desperate to go to Brandon Holt's house and knock on the door and say, I need all the jars you got? No, Brandon wouldn't do that. He'd make me mow his yard. He'd say, I'll give you 20 bucks if you mow the yard. I mean, do you think it's desperate to ask everybody, I know, give me some jars? They'd be like, what do you need jars for? And just give me the jars. What, what, what are you going to do with it? Just give me the jar. She was desperate. She didn't care what somebody said about her. And you know what's wrong with some of us? We got needs, but we're way too worried about what somebody else might say about us. How can I prove it? It's real simple. Give an altar call sometime and say, hey, guys, would you guys join me down here and pray? Some are like, I'm not, not going to do that. Somebody might think I need something. Yeah. Somebody might think. Here's what I know. You already need something. You're just not desperate enough. When you get desperate, you do whatever God tells you to do. Amen right there. That's pretty good. That's pretty good preaching today. I might have to say that again. You see, she was desperate in her need that she sought God. And you know what God did? The first thing God did was start with what she had. What's in your house? So if you come to me and say, this is my situation, the first thing I want to know is tell me where you are. Amen. Tell me what's going on with you. Before we discover where we need to be, let's figure out where we are. And if you need to be this way and you're continually going this way, you might need to repent and turn around to go that way. Does that make any sense? I mean, I can't get to Florida, Florida by driving north. It'd take me a whole long time. More time than I want to do. When, by the time I got to Arctic Circle, I'm done. You have to turn around and go the other way. 
So she's desperate. That's her need. What's your need today? Listen, on the authority of God's word, I've been sent here today to tell you that whatever your need is, God knows what it is. And God has a word for you. In fact, I'm going to go out there on a limb and say it like this. I believe God has already spoken to you about what you need. I believe God's word is here. Everything that we read today from the scripture is God's word. So God told this woman, get ready for the supply. Now, see, that's an act of faith. Get ready for the supply. So he told her, go and borrow vessels, bring them home, and start pouring it out. Now, I want you to think about it. The only valuable thing she had left, God said, give it up. How you doing with that? I mean, that last $100, well, for some people like me, it's the last $10. The rainy day fund. I mean, you know how we are. We've got this all saved back, and this is what we're counting on. We, we all think about this is what I'm working for, and this is what I'm going to do. And God says, we've got to deal with that. You see, that jar of oil could have been an idol to that woman. Anybody got any idols today? Hey, if there's something that you would not give to the Lord if he asked it, then it's probably an idol. Amen? It's gotten really quiet. Ashley said to keep on preaching, so I will. You see, faith means you got to pour it out. Sometimes we want faith to be something that we just passively receive. They'll say, well, pastor, the Bible says faith is not works. You're correct. But when genuine faith is there, it leads to the work. You can't say that you believe God and not receive what he says and not obey what he says. Obedience is very important. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of attitude and change of action. Amen? I mean, it's always been like that in the Bible. You remember Elijah? Elijah told the, the widow woman, it always seems to be a widow woman in these stories. He said, uh, make me a cake. Because she said, I've just got a little cake left. That was the little valuable thing she had left. And Elijah said, give it to me. I want you to know today that if somebody heard me preaching this and say, Pastor Brian wants you to give your last dollar, what a mean pastor he is. Pastor Brian doesn't want your last dollar, but if God tells you to give your last daughter, dollar, you might ought to do it. Amen. So this woman baked a cake and guess what? Her supply never ran out. What happened with Moses? Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Remember that? So now they're, at, they're right in front of the Red Sea and everything's great. And they look around. Here comes Pharaoh. And so Moses does what every man of God does. He complains to God. That's a joke, y'all. Some of you are like, yeah, I'll do that too. God, what did you put me in this situation for? And God says, Moses, what are you crying out to me for? Raise your staff, divide the water, and walk through. Amen. You see, you got to pour it out. You got to act on your faith. Elisha told Naaman the leper, go dip seven times in the water and you'll be cleansed. Jesus told Peter, even though Peter had fished all night, go back, throw your net out one more time, and it's going to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, passivity is not faithfulness. When you pour out, what you have is multiplied. Because when that happens, the Spirit of God starts to work. This woman had more than enough. You see, she already, she already had enough oil, if you think about it. Where did the oil come from? It was multiplied from what she already had. 
She just needed more vessels. You know what's wrong with some of us? We just need more vessels in our life. We just need to make ourselves available to the glory of God and the Spirit of God and the miracle in the pouring. The Holy Spirit is unlimited, ladies and gentlemen. He is more than enough. So what's the mandate today? The mandate for all of us. First, the message was if we've got needs, we hear the word, we exercise our faith, God's spirit works the miracle for the church. This message is good for the church. Are there any needs for us? Are there any needs? One guy said, uh, one pastor was preaching and he was talking about a building project the church was doing and they were raising money to build a new building. And he got up one Sunday and he said, I got good news to report. All the money we need to finish the building project has been collected. We've received all that we need. We've got all that we need. The only problem is it's still in your pockets. Somebody say, well, you know, we, we could use some more something here at the church. Well, how do you think that's going to happen? You know, we... I love my church. You guys are so faithful. Every week you come out and worship. And it just wouldn't be the same if y'all didn't show up. It'd be really kind of dry preaching to the chairs. Bernie and I did that for a couple of weeks. And you guys come out all the time. But you know what I've noticed? There's uh, four seats there. There's four there. A couple there. There's three there. Somebody take a picture. There's an empty row in the back of our church. First time ever. Oh, I get it now. I just caught on to what's going on. I mean, there's, there's empty seats. What does that mean? We've got the supply ready. We need some vessels. Isn't it interesting that God calls human beings vessels? You know what I know? If we go out there and find them, if we bring them in here, God will fill them. Amen. So who's with me this week? Do we have any needs? Of course we do. Are there people out there that, that, that need something? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you can go any time and drive up and down the street and you can see people walking up and down the street that have no purpose, no hope, no home, no income, no Jesus. They, they may or may not be on drugs. You can go to work with people every day who are hopeless. You know what I've noticed about most people that have a job? If you ask them, how do you like your job? The majority of people will say, I hate my job. And we always think if I get to the next job, it's going to be better. And you get to the next job, and you, after a little while, I hate that one too. Why do you hate it? It's not the job. It's in here. And then there are people that are married who have marriages that are not very good. And you say, what's wrong? Well, it's not me. It's this person. <laughs> it's always this person. Right? I mean, it can't be me. I ask people sometimes when they say that, I say, you think that's true? I said, how would you like to be married to you? That's a good question, isn't it? You think it's easy? And you see, there's people everywhere that need, that need help. 
And ladies and gentlemen, people are living in fear everywhere. And here we are in the church, and we've got the Holy Spirit's power in this church. And those vessels need to be filled. And you know who finds them? You do. Wherever you are this week, invite somebody to come back with you. We had two guests here with us last night. Sat back on that side. Came here for the first time, and we talked to them a little bit. And on the way out, they asked, they said, do you have a Wednesday night Bible study too? I said, yes. Yeah. we'll see you then. We really liked it. Amen. 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 Isn't that what it's about? So this, this week, we've got needs. The Word says go. The Great Commission says what? Go and make disciples. So let's go on this mission this week. Go find the vessels. Let's get ready for the supply. And then when we find them, what do we do? We pour into them. Let me tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like someone coming for the first time, walking in and finding a chair, and all of us walking around them and ignoring them. Help me. Let's work together. You have the anointing of God, and that anointing can jump off of you and jump into somebody's life and show them their need and show them the miracle power of Jesus. You can do that. Amen. By faith we pour out, and by faith we pour in, and by the Holy Spirit we multiply. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not called to just manage what we have and maintain. We're not called to save it up or store it aside or stockpile it. We're not called to count it, collect it, and accumulate it. We're not called to lay it up, lay aside, or lay away. We are called to pour it out. So let's do that this week because when we do, we find the power of God's Spirit working through us. People need the Lord. And when they come to the Lord, the Spirit of God heals them. The Spirit of God fills them. The Spirit of God seals them. The Spirit of God can give them hope, can give them joy, can give them peace, can give them a meaning for living. The Spirit of God can break the power of strongholds in their life. Ladies and gentlemen, we can do this. Hear the word of the Lord. Ephesians 3, 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly above all, beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. He said, according to the power that works in us. Who is that power? He is the Spirit of God. Would y'all stand with me a moment? I want to just point blank ask you. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to do anything. Just simply this. Who will take the mandate out this week? Let's find those vessels this week. Let's be on mission for Jesus this week.